He didn't yeah. want to let Backstrom down. He didn't want to let OV down. If I go to Rocket Bar, I know I'm getting pretty fucked up. I think this is a good player. He's a very good, skilled player. The Hurricanes are fucking garbage. Dude, if you played the Bowie Bruins back in the day, you knew this play. What to do, DMV, episode 65 of Chirpin' DMV. And I want to start right here because KP is back after a two-episode absence on the IR. KP, what's up, baby? Oh, not much, man. Glad to be back. Uh, had a good weekend, so a lot, lot of rest, a lot of drinking booze, and uh, the head's feeling better, so we're back. So let's go. Let's start from there. So you've been on IR for, what, is it two episodes now? Because of the yeah, man. concussion after you guys won the tournament. I'm sure you listened to the episode. At least I hope you did since you're part of the show. With yeah, maybe I listened. Detailed maybe had a great breakdown. Recap. Yeah. So how was your 4th of July? I mean, I saw you had the, uh, you guys set up a water slide, dug a hole in the yard. Yeah, man. We dug up the whole, uh, the yard at the farm, had a slide down to like a uh, five foot mud pit. It was, it was pretty cool. It was a good, good weekend. Kids were loving the slide. It was like uh, six flags over there. Glad to have you back, baby. Thank you. Thank you. AB, weekend, Bay House, blackout. Fourth of July. I mean, I'll ask you, but how was your weekend? Uh, I think you can explain it. You can explain it better than me. Yeah, it was a pretty good weekend. Um, so yeah, per the Bay House, we just go and have a couple beers, play some yard games all day. Saw some great fireworks from the dock from Annapolis, Ken Island, Tillman Island, you name it. But uh, yeah, yeah, good good times. I nailed yeah. a, I nailed a fucking dock shot from the dock into the sauce kit. We'll get to that later. So in honor of Fourth of July, we'll power rank yard games. But yeah, good time. Yeah, we just played literally every single yard game you could think of. It was it was pretty dope. And then um, Friday night, actually, I forgot that you weren't there Friday night. Um, that was the jetty night, right? We all went out to the jetty pretty late. And I would have come Friday night if I would have known that the people I was going to bring Saturday were going to bail on the ride and come separately. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, it was fun. The jetty was jetty was a good time. Um, I'm kind of shocked they let us all in, um, but they did, and it was at like 10 o'clock at night. I thought they would close, like I thought they were still going by those like code rules. So I thought they were going to close at least at like nine or 10. Yeah, and, or even like 11 at the latest. Yeah, they're. I think I'm pretty sure they're open till two. Oh. And letting that. in like a crowd of more than like four people in. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's kind of wild. But yeah, it was a good time. So yeah, good 4th of July weekend. Hope everybody stayed safe, had a good time, uh, all that kind of stuff. Like I said, we'll honor the 4th of July after the interview. Our interview, by the way, the guys from the, the Third Line Grind podcast. Grady and Chris, two awesome dudes over there at the Loudon Hockey Academy and uh, Loudon Knights travel program. So that's a fun one. We went for about 40 minutes or so. Very fun dudes. They're going to have us on their podcast and snapping around a bit. But uh, So let's start getting into some hockey here. The two hub cities we now have at home. So the past two up, two or three episodes, it's been Vegas, Vegas, Vegas. But due to the United States being dumb and not really handling the COVID crisis that well, granted, like you said, AB, we do enjoy going to bars. But both cities are now in Edmonton and Toronto. So those are two hub cities. Canada handling it, I guess, much better than us. Vegas had that massive spike, I guess, a week ago. So I've seen from both sides – both credible sources, opposite sides of the spectrum in terms of I've seen multiple reporters say that the East is the Eastern Conference will play in Edmonton, the Western Conference will play in Toronto, but I've also seen vice versa. 
The only thing that we do know that is guaranteed is that the conference finals and Stanley Cup finals will be played in Edmonton. The first time that's happened in 14 years. So that's kind of cool. But um, yeah, I mean, thoughts from both of you on Edmonton and Toronto as the host cities. It's been a long time since the cup was lifted in Canada, huh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I guess, who knows? Maybe a Canadian team will do it. There's a couple in, okay. right? Doubtful. Last time it was lifted in Canada, an, an American team was lifting it. Boston? Man- that was the Boston-Vancouver series? Yeah. I think that was the last time. Hmm. Um, but yeah, like you said, I mean, it's been a long time since the Cup was in Canada. So <laughs> no, not wrong there. Um, Edmonton's, I heard Edmonton's a good city to have it in. I mean, I haven't done too much research into it. And what, what was the other one? I'm sorry. Toronto? Toronto, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of shocked. Uh, I guess this makes it way easier, but I'm kind of shocked that they didn't choose uh, a United States city. And they well, just there were so many on the table, like I said, and I think Vegas was the front runner for so long until last week. The coronavirus cases in Vegas, like, literally tripled. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it makes sense. Um, I mean, I feel like some teams, some people are going to find a way to bitch that Toronto is one of the host cities. Well, that's why I'm curious as to see what conference will play where, because like I said, that the reports that I've seen that the East will play in Edmonton so that Edmonton can't have their home arena and Toronto vice versa can't have their home arena kind of makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. Um, and then I guess you said conference finals and finals are all in Edmonton. Yes. I think that's been confirmed. They're in Edmonton. Are they all, would all those be played in the same arena? Yes. Edmonton. Yeah. I think everything would be played in the same arena. I believe, I don't know, but we do have the NHL and NHLPA agreement on phase three and four. So what we'll kind of do here is I read the article I didn't read the whole entire 40-page report, but I read some stuff from Bob McKenzie and from TSN, and I kind of took down some bullet points, so I'll kind of read each one. We can react to it. We can debate it, but we'll start here. Training camp pushed back from July 10th to July 13th. That's kind of whatever. So next Monday, we're going to get going here. Each team is permitted 52 individuals inside their bubble. Each team is required to bring at least one required to bring at least one social media slash content creator. So that's kind of interesting. You have to bring somebody that can create content for you the whole time. Might as well hire Chirpin. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. The Caps have not called us yet. Alex Kaloran actually tweeted back at the NHL and said, don't worry, Tampa Bay Lightning, I got this covered because he's been doing the doc talks with Killer. Real. Dude, I'm going to be honest. When you were like, each team has to bring one, and I thought you were going to say bag of pucks. thought that each team had to bring their own pucks. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how well Corona can be transferred via puck, but yeah, you never know. So of the 52, more than 31 can't be players. There's no dress code for the game, so players don't have to wear suits. So we might be seeing some guys roll up in their sweaties and some shorts and stuff like that. Um, Everyone in the bubble has to get tested daily. Players by Tuesday, so today if you're listening, tomorrow for us recording now, you have they have to confirm in writing to their team if they are going to be playing or sitting out. So that's kind of interesting because you haven't seen it much in the NHL as much as you have in, like, say, the NBA where there's, I think, 10 to 15 players have publicly admitted that they're not going to play the season. And it's baseball players. Yeah. So, I mean, what do you think, KP? Do you think – do you see any caps sitting out? I mean, I'm not going to ask you to name names, but do you see this being a possibility? I mean, it could. I mean, 
guys have families, guys have kids, guys are, uh, everybody's in a different situation. So they'll have to assess that on their own. But I mean, why do they have to say if they're in or out right now? Because like two weeks go by, the whole situation could be totally different. It's been kind of almost, I guess, maybe more like two weeks by two weeks now, not day by day, but it's kind of, I, I understand they want to like get players definitely in, but are they not going to give players opportunity to back out after this? Like is Tuesday the deadline you're in, you're in like even how the situation goes. It's I kind believe of that is what it is, but I mean, I kind of like it though. Cause you don't want to get into two weeks of training camp and have somebody be like, actually I kind of changed my mind and I'm out of here and you got to kind of flip the script on everything. And well, I think, I don't think there's any possible way that if a player like halfway through this is like, I'm out that you can't not let him dip out. Right. You know? Yeah, obviously can't come back. So I think they're going to let players decide, all right, fuck it, I'm out. Like, if if it gets riskier and riskier and he's like, fuck, I think I made the wrong decision. I think every single team and every every single – like, all all the NHL officials are going to be like, we we can't hold this guy hostage. So, yeah, if he wants to fucking leave. I think the whole thing about whether you're declaring whether you want to play or not is the, the number. Like, right, so you can't... Yeah, you can't bring more than 31. Yeah, you can't bring more than 31 so that they... um, Like, if someone leaves, they can't go back out. Like, he, I'm not going to say he's fucking the team over by... And now they have one less player or anything like that, but, like, they can't go out and get a 31st player after that deadline. I think that's the main thing. Yeah, you can't just, like, pick a guy out of a hat and fucking just put him on your roster. Right. So... Like you said, Kyle, some players might do that still. I kind of doubt they will because I actually was reading some – I forget what article it was. I was reading something the other day that was uh, – it was very anti-NHL. It was like, or not anti-NHL. It was like against having the rest of the season. Um, Like this uh, – it was an anonymous player, but he said, honestly, like the way it's been so like the way it's been described in this whole situation, it's been very vague and players haven't gotten a lot of specifics until like now, I think. I did read that. Yeah. The, and I've read that the NHL and the NHL PA maybe have been very quiet towards the players in terms of how everything's going down. Yeah. So apparently he said that he thinks like over, over 50 to 75% of the players don't even want to play anyway. But the problem is, they all like this is where the mind of a hockey player comes into effect compared to when you compare it to football and baseball and basketball and pretty much any other sport. I would th- I would say their mind directly goes to like they don't want to play, but, but the team has a they goal. Don't, they don't want to. Yeah, they don't want to be the guy that lets the team down. None of them right. want. None of them want to be that guy, and and they they have a com- they made a commitment to this team to do anything they can to win the Stanley Cup. So they're not going to be they're not going to be willing to say yes, I'm I'm out in front of their the rest mm-hmm. of their team when the rest of their team is like, "All right, well we're going to play." Yeah, it's just a, the mentality that hockey players are a different breed than right, basketball players or anything. Hockey players code basically. I mean, it's yeah, it's, as much it's, as you don't want to play, you set a team goal to win a Stanley Cup. Your lifelong dream is to win a Stanley Cup. You're not going to skip the postseason just because you're scared of getting the Rona. They don't want to be the guy. Yeah, they don't want to be the guy that backed out when everyone else did. So speaking of backing out, a part of this too is the NHL does have the ability to call off the playoffs at any point. So we could be like mid-second round and the NHL could be like, you know what? 
scrap it, end it right now. That, that can happen, you said? That can happen, yes. The NHL has the ability. And I believe the NHLPA is part of that too. So either side can has the ability to call off the playoffs at any point in time, no matter what. It that could makes, be game three of the Stanley Cup final, and they could say, nope. I doubt I, it'll happen then, but. I don't think, I don't think the NHL would ever agree to that because they're, then they're losing money. Mm-hmm. I think the NHLPA might. We get through like the second round, like 150 players of COVID, and they're like, yeah, done. Well, that's something I saw too is the money thing is, I saw it on Twitter is the money thing kind of played into account because Canadian dollars are what, 76 cents to the dollar in US. So the NHL can penny pinch. In, in terms of that, but I don't know. I guess you got to see. Um, so players, we said that. So players who leave the bubble, once they get to the playoffs, unauthorized are subject to serious punishment. So say say somebody wants to kind of fuck around, go out, do something, leave the bubble. So that franchise, it can include fines to the player or the franchise, loss of draft picks to the franchise, and, may or, and that player may not be able to continue the rest of the playoffs just for leaving the bubble. So what's the bubble consist of? Just the city or? I think the hotel. Literally. Oh. I, literally I literally think the hotel. That sucks. Well, it's not. No, they they got to have more than that. Like you're hearing the NBA is going to have this bubble where they have an area where teams can like hang out, do stuff, still get around. They got to they gotta make, they got to have a situation like that. Or I don't think Edmonton or Toronto would even be in play. But, so Kyle, let me ask you this, because this is the funny thing I thought of. The NBA implemented the hotline where people can call in and report players. So if the NHL does that, are you calling in and saying that Sidney Crosby is out running a fucking muck? Snitch line. No, I'm not an arc. I mean, what if the Caps are down 3-2 to two of the Hurricanes or something? We, who are we calling in? Can't be, an, can't be an arc. Rod Brendamore. <laughs> Rod Brendamore. As much as I'd love to do it, I couldn't. The league gets 712 complaints against Tom Wilson, even though he hasn't left his room. <laughs> he's got to be careful. He's got a lot of, he's got a lot of people after him. Uh, so I'll continue on to that, I guess. Uh, so each team gets their own floor at hotels. Players are in one room per person. So each player gets their own room. You're not allowed to visit another player's room. So OB can't go hang out with Kuzi. Uh, hotel bars and restaurants will be open as well as a pool and fitness center in the hotels. Damn, so that kind of sucks, man. Just a hotel. That's what I'm saying. Like I, I was like, they can't even go out to eat. Like that's I, I think it's just a hotel. I mean, it, they haven't had said specifics. What they said on Chicklets the other day, if you guys listened, they said that certain restaurants and bars in the city are gonna shut down and only be allowed for NHL players, like okay. at, at a team at a time per basis type that thing. Makes, that makes yeah. more. Yeah, that's, that makes that's more sense. They're gonna I, yeah, I think that's more what they're gonna try to do is quarantine teams. In situations, yeah. so all the teams can hang out because they're going to be together in the locker room. They're going to be together on the bench. Yeah. yeah did you so see they were? Uh, this is kind of off topic. Did you see they were practicing uh, COVID celebrations? That's all the caps one. We're like they all like get in a circle and they're all a couple feet apart, like money board type thing. Yep. That'll be dope. That'll be cool. I'm I'm excited to see it. So next thing here, immediate families are allowed to come visit once it gets to the conference and Stanley Cup Finals. Okay, makes, makes sense. So this, that makes sense because if it gets that far, I mean, things are going well. We're not having well, many issues. The thing is about that, like, kind of what the point we brought up earlier is how the NHL can call it at any point. I think once we get to or past the second round, it's all going to be good because you think of it in this way, like, every time there's a, a round passes, teams get eliminated and that team leaves. So there's less people, there's less chance of interacting with more people and less chance of contracting the Rona. 
Mm. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And kind of like, I don't know, gives them a little more motivation to play to play too in front of them. Yeah, like I want to get my family here. I want to hang out with them. Yeah. Speaking of families, the NHL is offering home assistance to players' families. So each team that's in the playoffs, if the players obviously if the player is gone for a while, the NHL is offering assistance to come and help like deliver groceries, do this, that, and the other, and help out families like that. Um, let's see. So if, this is where it gets interesting. So we're getting into the part where if players do test positive. So if a player does test positive, they will then get isolated for 24 hours and tested again. If the player tests positive with no symptoms, they can return to play with two consecutive negative test results over a 48-hour period or 10 days in isolation, which means two straight days of getting tested negative because no player is sitting out 10 days. Because like we said last episode, AB, you know how many games are going to be playing, especially if like what Todd Reardon said is true and there's multiple games a day for one team? Yeah. Yeah, that would suck. Because then, then they miss like – in 10 days, they miss, like, eight games. An entire series. An entire round of the playoffs. <laughs> like, So if a player is showing symptoms, though, they have to show that symptoms have subsided over 72 hours, past two negative tests, or 10 days in ISO again. Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, I don't think – I don't think anyone's going to choose to do – like, is it a one or the other option? Well, it depends if so – Say, well, it depends if there's symptoms or not. So say if a player tests positive coronavirus and he's puking on his lap and coughing up a fucking storm, then that's when the 72-hour thing kicks in. But if you have an instance like with the UFC a couple weeks back where Jacare Souza was healthy, feeling good about the fight, but he tested positive but showed no sign of symptoms, then it's only the 48-hour period where they have to show two negative tests in a row. So I think what that means is our fear of the automatic two-week isolation is out the window. It's just like get healthy within three days and you're good. And I don't know if that's how COVID works, but all right, cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah my comment is I'm not a doctor. No idea. <laughs> I'm not a scientist here, so it is what it is. So last thing I have here, cleaning-wise, benches and everything will be cleaned at every intermission. This brings us back to the Tarek interview where we were like, what are they going to do? Spread each player out six feet apart like it did in soccer, which is obviously not possible in the NHL. But they said uh, coaches do not have to wear masks on the bench. Vertical dividers will be uh, built inside of the benches to separate each individual player's water bottle, though. Okay. That's oh. interesting. Yeah, God, God, that, that works, I guess. But, um, yeah, yeah. so they'll, at each intermission, they'll co- staff will come on the bench, disinfect the entire bench. Uh, after each game, obviously, the, all now, the locker rooms and everything get disinfected. I don't want to break that down too, too much and read too far into it, but I think that affects the, the – gameplay at all where they're sitting they i'm sure now it's because of that water bottle thing like players will have a like a one spot on the bench instead of like the slide that you always do i don't know you can't not shuffle like what's your grocery i mean obviously your grocery stick can sit there the whole time but you can't i don't i don't know i don't know i mean ov is a guy that always sits right there on the end of the bench i feel like I was going to say, uh, if they all have one spot on the bench, it's not like they – you could get away with not shuffling these. Yeah, guys. but, like, the play is going to be going on, and you're going to have guys, like, playing fucking musical chairs on the bench. Like, this is my seat. You got to scoot over. I got to sit here. You got to sit there. Like, if if Tom Wilson is not to Ovi's left and the NHL is going to fucking call down 
to the refs, stop the game, and make sure those two switch spots. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I guess that's not going to happen. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. That's the way I see it. Um, so that's pretty much the bullet points I took out of that. I mean, anything really stick out to you guys that's just kind of crazy? or? No, I mean, as long as they're allowed to do more than just stay in the hotel. That would suck so bad. Hotel, ice rink, back to hotel, nothing else. But would it, though? Because you're probably bringing your PlayStation and playing some Call of Duty, getting in the gulag. Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, it wouldn't suck. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I would, they're going to have some off days as well, right? You think they're going to do, like, some dry land stuff at all? Or once I, they get there? So, last episode, me and AB talked about it. Like, I don't think there's going to be that much downtime because we mentioned the fact that Todd Reardon said there yeah, could be two games two in a day. day. Yeah. You know, with everybody in the same city and no travel between games two and three, games four, yeah, and five, five, six, and seven, you can push you can push a seven-game series out in ten days. There won't be any downtime because when they do have an off day, it's going to be filmed. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. And they can just do that in the hotel, like, conference area. Sure. Exactly. So, so I don't, there's going to be much downtime for them to do any other than, like, go out to eat after games maybe. Um, and maybe that's best to try to cram it all in with games so there isn't downtime. Um, they can just play the games, get done, go. Did you mention, like, how many teams to a hotel or anything like that? I did not. I saw a graphic today that had – how many four slash five star hotels are in each city? And there's 15 in Edmonton and like 34 in Toronto. So I don't see them jamming too many teams in one hotel. The only thing I read that was specific was each, if there are multiple teams in one hotel, each team gets their own floor. And then in that floor, each player gets their own room. You think those hotels are cut off from everyone else? You don't, you think like to the public? Yeah. What if, what if the pens are on floor 13 and the caps are on floor 14 and we're just up there just, yeah, right. Up it on the fucking floor all night. <laughs> I'm talking about like if they're cut off to the public, though. Yeah, oh, I, would, yeah I would definitely think 100. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like so, even the hotel, they're gonna have the same workers probably just on shifts. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's like every yeah. So one thing I read was every hotel worker and like hotel staff has to get tested daily as well. So you know it's only gonna yeah, be a limited people. I said all the employees there probably had they probably have to stay there too at the at their room, right? I would, so I would yeah, assume. Yeah, probably. They, they probably do have something like that. I don't know. I mean, speaking of COVID, I mean, do you guys see the thing about the Blues where the whole team just decided to go to a bar and then they all got sick and had to shut down their facility? Yeah, that's uh, – how many players did they get sick? I want to say like six or seven and then a couple staff members because they were just like, oh, let's just go to a bar and hang out. <laughs> uh, you don't know if it's from the bar though, man. I know, but strange coincidence. Guess it is a tough look, but it is a tough look. So let's go. I got two more things here before we get to this third line grind interview. I just sent you guys that picture from, I believe it was NHL on NBC. They did they power ranked the top five craziest free agency situations. Number one was Taylor Hall and Petrangelo go to the Avalanche. Number two is Dustin Bufflin goes to the Sabres. Robin Leonard goes to the Hurricanes. Braden Holpe goes to the Sharks, and Joe Thornton goes to the Winnipeg Jets. Um, Hall and Petrangelo going to that would be unfair. Yeah, fuck, fuck that noise, dude. So, that'd be crazy. <laughs> like Colorado would be stacked. That that would that's like the fucking Golden State Warriors at that point for hockey. Yeah, pretty much. So the article itself, when I click it, it says Avalanche go on one year NHL free agent frenzy. So they sign each of those guys just to a one year contract and put all their fucking marbles in a basket and hope they win a cup. 
I can um, see Petra Angelo going for a one-year contract, but I think Taylor Hall is going to try to want some some years. Yeah, yeah but has I, he had yeah, years I, anywhere? I was about to say that. I was about yeah. to do Kyle, but he might be at the point of his career where he's like, "Fuck it." Like, remember what Mary Play everywhere? Mary, yeah, Marion Hosa like went through like four teams in four years just to try to win a Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like, see that being a Hall thing, even though he's yeah. pretty early in his career still. Yeah, because. I think Marion Hosa went to, well, he's with, what, Atlanta? Yeah. He's with Ottawa and Atlanta, who were never really that good. And then – Did his time in Chicago. Yeah, he's, he's searching for a team. He's, he signs with, I think, the, the Red Wings first. No, he signs with the Pittsburgh Penguins first. That's right, yeah. And they go to the Stanley Cup Finals, lose to Detroit. The next he goes year, to Detroit, yeah. And then they go to the Stanley Cup Finals and lose to Pittsburgh. And then he's after that, he just went to Chicago for like three years. And yeah, that's when he won the cup. Yeah, like I see it. maybe Taylor Hall doing that just to because he hasn't, dude. I think he's played in the playoffs one year. Yeah, and he's been on what four teams already? Three teams: exactly. Devils, yeah, uh, Arizona now, and then obviously Edmonton. Yeah, and he's. I mean, he's the he's, Yotes are in this now. If they win the qualifying round. Well, yeah, they're in that. Okay. Right, so this will be a second year in ever. If no, well, I don't well, count that if, as a playoff appearance if they lose. Yeah, exactly. Because they, they're the 12th seed, right? And they play the Predators who are fifth, maybe? Yeah, it would be five versus 12. If that's... Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to watch hockey, man. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the other one, obviously, we want to hit on is the Brayden Holpe one. So the question is here is can Brayden Holpe halt the sinking of the Sharks? Uh, let's see, Martin Jones and Aaron Dell have been disastrous for the Sharks lately. Uh, Hopi, you have a Stanley Cup winner whose overall body of work is highly impressive for a Sharks team tormented by a playoff letdown. So he's basically going to the Caps pre-2018. Uh, Hopi's postseason resume, sorry, uh, shines uh, 0.928 save percentage over 89 career playoff games. Uh, yet, on the other hand, things have been bumpy for Holpe for some time. His game had already been slipping, but it really dipped badly in 2019-2020 with that 8.97 save percentage. So, if Holpe goes to the Sharks, thoughts? Dude, I think it would be nasty. I th- I've always said that their problem right now is that they don't have any fucking goaltending. Um, I'm pretty sure I may, I may or may not have said this over the course of this of the season of the regular season. I, I, I tapes. Braden Holpe would match up with the Sharks very well. Dude, I think you've probably t- said this t- to me before, AB, but like the Sharks are kind of always been the caps of the West. I like, was exactly just verbatim almost, about to say that. Almost right there. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're about to make it, about to make it. They've been on the cuffs for so long. Mm-hmm. They've had these veteran guys. Be crazy if Hopi wins the caps. He got him. They got the caps over the hump, and now he's going to go to San Jose and get them over the, the hump. The meme of Ovi always holding the golf bag above his head is the same as the, the shark meme of the. You know how the shark logo bites the stick and it's like the piece of the stick stuck in his throat making the shark choke? Yeah. And fucking, well, to bounce off of Kyle real quick, like their team is fucking nasty. Mm-hmm. If you paper. Yeah. They have Eric Carlson and Brent Burns on defense already that's fucking sick. And then I'm pretty sure, do they have Vlasic still? I'm pretty sure they do, who's one of the most underrated defensemen in the league. Maybe. I think so. And then they have a bunch of young guys coming up that aren't like they're not like top tier talents yet, but they're on their way to be. Mm-hmm. Timo Mir is pretty fucking good. I think they have Tommy Wingle still. Yeah. He may have left. I'm not 100 percent sure, mm-hmm. but I mean, Logan, all, but 
Thomas. I mean, Hurdle. digressing to what you said earlier, AB, the problem's always been goaltending. I mean, who's been their main goalie for the past however many years? It's been Martin Jones. I mean, how good really is he? Not that great. Right. He had one good season and they signed him, and he's sucked ever since, pretty much. Like he had mm-hmm. when he ran when they went to the Stanley Cup finals against Pittsburgh, it was it was on his shoulders and he played really well. And and then they get throttled in that series in like was it six games? Six games. They didn't get throttled. I think every uh-huh. game was close, but yeah, it was six games. Uh, maybe I'm thinking of the Preds. Who'd they beat worse? The Preds? I don't care. Uh, I was like, Preds was pretty close, too. Preds was games. I think Preds was seven games. No, I don't think they went to seven in either of those. Uh, I, think. I don't know. Uh, maybe. I think so. Yeah, I, I don't know. In six. Yeah. So, last thing here before we get to the interview, KP. I was, we're not going to get too hard into this. The only reason I bring it up is because it, it relates to the cap. So Odd Shark, uh, the odds makers there have the R words, new name to become the Capitals with an O. So C-A-P-I-T-O-L-S at plus 600 instead of the Capitals like we are. What do you think if the, the Washington Capitals were the new R words name? Kind of sounds toolish. <laughs> going to be honest. I kind like of agree, hundred percent. Yeah, like I said, I didn't really want I'm to bring out, it, out bring it up one. and debate it too bad because, like I said, we we are a Caps podcast and all. But yeah, that they, they had a plus six hundred to become the Capitals. Have you seen some of the names on Twitter? I have. It's interesting. I like There's a lot of crazy ones. The only one I kind of like is the Red Wolves, just because I think wolves are cool. Yeah, Red Wolves are dope, dude. <laughs> wolves I, are dope. You gotta are gotta dope. admit, wolves are dope. So. Would you want to see the the skins, Wolfpack, baby? Wolfpack. Yeah. Would you want Wolfpack. to see the skins bring the the DC color scheme that like the Caps and Nats both have, where it's the red, white, and blue instead yeah. of the burgundy and gold, or keep the burgundy and gold? Like, look at a city like Pittsburgh. I hate to bring it up, but the Pirates, Steelers, and Pins all have the same color. Yeah, scheme. I'm a big fan of keeping all the teams at the same color scheme. Huge. Fan. I agree with that. I don't Maybe. know about you. Yeah, I, was just I mean, that. you. That's a whole. That's that's another whole another ball. Man, there's so many hardcore Redskins fans already upset about the name change, which I don't even doesn't bother me. But they would be so upset about the color scheme. To me, so upset. I mean, it's colors. It's a name. It's gonna be the same team. <laughs> yes, yeah, still gonna be the same shitty ass team that can't win more than five fucking games a year. Right. So do it because, like, I mean, we're going like the world's going through a bunch of shit right now. So like, and. They, they need to do it. They just, I think they need, they, they 100% they have to. to. The they name. 100% have got a to, new but... coach. We got the new QB. We need to change it all. They brought in a new, an entire new coaching staff. So why not just change every, fucking everything? Right. Especially yeah. their owner. And yeah. well, good news is like that you see the minority owners are buying out. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Dan. Just abolish the, the Washington Redskins and Ted Leonsis might step well, in. Well, like I had this conversation. So, I came home Friday um, so I could go to AB's Saturday morning, but I met my parents and Deal and my dad, you know, grew up a huge Skins fan, grew up in the golden era of the Redskins, man. Like, went to the Diesman game where he broke his leg. He's like, it, I asked him about it because he, he was never a hockey guy until, like, me and Ryan started playing hockey. He was always Redskins through and through. Sorry, R-words. But he was like, I mean, the R-words aren't the same team as they were in 92 and 89 with Joe Gibbs and the Hogs and all that stuff. So it's not like we're consistently been a good team like the Patriots and shit like that. He's like, fuck it, dude. Just abolish it all and start from scratch. Maybe we'll yeah. be, be good at football again. It's yeah. like, I'd rather well, win see, football games than wear my Redskins sweater. 
I don't think it abolishes it. I think it just changes the name, just like how the Bullets are the Wizards now. Oh, Bullets is kind of problematic. And no, I understand the name. The name's problematic. You put the name in the dust, but the organization is still like everyone's like, oh, they're done now. It's a whole new thing. Like it's just a new name. Yeah, I guess we'll see. It is what it is. But I mean, that's all I got on that subject. So let's kick it over to the third line grind, guys. All right, we now welcome on the boys from the Third Line Grind podcast from the Loudon Hockey Academy. Chris Caravelli, the direct, the hockey director for the Loudon Knights, and Grady Little, the director of recruiting and programs. So boys, welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. It's yeah. great to be here. Thanks for having us. It's an honor. Yeah, for sure. So, like I said, you guys, you guys kicked your thing up. Uh, I guess I guess a couple months ago or a couple weeks ago, and we've been tuning in, checking it out. So we're like, oh, let's get these guys on, talk some local hockey because we like people grinding just like we are. So <laughs> kind of start at the beginning, which is what we like to do with everybody that comes on. So. Sure. Just kind of get into both your backgrounds. I mean, where you're from, how you got into hockey, and just kind of take us through your career path of, you know, playing and coaching and that type of stuff. So, I don't know, Chris, if you want to go first. Yeah, sure. Um, so, I've, I've played hockey since I was four. Um, my family's from Michigan. So, uh, I think I started skating in Michigan when I was four or five. And, um, and then I started playing around here. I, my parents lived in, uh, in Arlington. So, I grew up in that area. Um, played, uh, played the, played for the Raiders growing up. Uh, I played junior hockey, uh, for the Statesman, played in the Empire League, uh, had some junior A games, in the NO, um, that's kind of the, the brief hockey history for me. Coaching wise, I started coaching, uh, at Reston when I was 14 or 15. Okay. Uh, was, a little early. Yeah. Yeah. I do stuff with hardcore hockey. So just as like a, you know, camp counselor, whatever rink rat is always at the rink. Um, and then, uh, Ran stuff uh, for hardcore hockey for a number of years. Um, I went to school for construction management, so I ran a construction company for uh, about 10 years. Um, and then, you know, a year, about a year ago, uh, decided to put that aside and yeah. full-time hockey. Get the band back together. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so did you, play, did you play high school in the area at all when you moved here? Or no? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, played, uh, I played with Yorktown. Okay, cool. Gotcha. I think that was, I was on the first team we had. And then from what I read, you're what, 15 plus years in coaching now? Yeah. Yeah, there I think, uh, yeah, 15. That's about right. Once you, once you get past 10, it's like. It's just kind of a blur. Yeah. It's just gravy uh, tallies. On Did you have any gaps in there along the way? Like gaps yeah, where you didn't coach? Um, it's been pretty consistent, no, I think. Like the maybe, whole time. One, maybe one year. <laughs> maybe one year away. between that, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, I've coached all kinds of youth teams. I've coached a lot of programs. Um, St. James, I coached, obviously I coach at Ion now. Yep. Um, Reston, Little Caps. Little Caps. Been around. Yeah, been around. Yeah, spread, <laughs> spread the wealth of it. Spread <laughs> the wealth of it. No, yeah, those, um, those, uh, those off years are fucking tough, man, because I just finished, my, I guess, my first off season of coaching or my first season of not coaching after doing it for like four straight years. I'm like, yeah. all right, I mean, let me start texting some people here. See what is, let's see what's going on next year. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird feeling, you know, like, like coaching for so long, it's just takes up so much of your time. Not that it's a bad thing, but um, when you've been doing it for so long right. and then you don't do it like the, you know, the three months we had and in, in quarantine, um, yeah. that was really odd. You know, we did stuff on zoom. We had some virtual lessons that, that we did through the rink. And then, you know, we put together, well, that's when we started our podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, that's kind of a way to stay visible. Really. Yeah. You know, we had all, all this time and, looking for ways to stay relevant and visible. So it was a good opportunity for us to 
branch out and try something new. Yeah, it's a good medium. I mean, I feel like, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the kids that played for us last season, I think their parents and the kids listened to a lot of the stuff that we have on there. And it's, it's really a pretty similar philosophy and message for the mm-hmm. most part that it's broadcast there. Um, it's just in a different way sort of seeing that, you know, there's more than one way to succeed. Yeah. So when you took, well, I guess when you took that year off, uh, I don't know how many years, how many times you had taken like a year off and then got back into it. Well, I mean, what was the reasoning behind it? Just kind of tied up with a lot of other shit going uh, on. Just, yeah, just time. I mean, in the one year off was like probably seven or eight years ago. Right. Yeah. Do you, do you so, find yourself like still paying attention a good bit or just kind of like completely letting it go? You know, I pro- I think that year I pretty much, I just let it go. Like I didn't have, um, I didn't have a, a kid playing anywhere. Right. Um, and it was just like, you know, it's like you kind of sometimes you just need a break. Yeah. So it, it was good in some ways, right? Like it's good to kind of reassess like, you know, what you've done in the past and sort of see, you know, the new stuff that's that's coming around. You know, USA Hockey does a good job with their coaching education stuff. So, um, you know, at our, our rink is applying for ADM status. Okay. Um, with USA Hockey. So I think there's maybe like, 10 or 15 ranks in the country that that have it right of all the ranks so well so for those that don't really know like what all comes with that status um it's really just you know you get uh usa hockey uh coaches um you know through through usa hockey um like their head guys will come to your rank and they put on education and you know the education that we provide for all our coaches is, is all in line with the adm model um, you know, all of our practices are based on that and our, uh, our ice touches for, uh, for players, um, you know, at each age level, right. It's going to be a little bit different, you know, either a two to one or three to one, you know, practice to game ratio, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So sort of, there's a lot of minutiae that goes into it on moving parts, but sort of in a nutshell, it's, a, it's almost there like is. a credit card where if you, if you do it right <laughs> and you get the perks that come with the yeah. card, right? You get the perks, exactly, <laughs> yeah. And so, and then, so Grady, for you, man, I mean, what's, what's, the, what's the career path been like? So I started a little bit later than Chris. I started probably around seven or eight years old, and that was just strictly a uh, product of, you know, geography at the time. I grew up in the Great Falls area, so... Um, that was right at the time when Reston was in, like just opened up. So right. my mom would always tell me, yeah, you know, I understand you're into hockey. There's not a rink close by. We'd go out to the cabin, John, for a public session, stuff like that. And then once Reston opened, it was only 10 minutes away. So there was really that excuse, you know, there's no rink close. It didn't really apply anymore. So really my parents had no no objection anymore so yeah he got me into hockey but I had been bit by the bug at a young age my uncle was the coach at Minnesota Duluth for 25 years from like oh so yeah that's in the blood that's in the bloodline there oh, got yeah. some pedigree that yeah goes, exactly yeah. So, yeah and he'd send me all this cool like UMD stuff and like uh, Brett Hall, Hall, was, Hall yeah Brett Hall was yeah, one of the players nice. there so we've got Brett he'd get Brett that's Hall insane. to send me like autograph stuff so, you know, just by That's like awesome. osmosis of getting like those care packages in the mail, yeah, right. of course I was going to be bitten by the bug. So yeah, I kind of started at a later age, but um, really, I mean, if you have the right, I jumped into the initiation program at Reston and then, you know, like, that kind of taught me the ins and outs, the basics. And from there it was, it wasn't even mite hockey, it was called lower house. So you jumped yeah, in and it was like, right. it was like yeah, mites and sports. And then you had middle house that was like Kiwi and that's, Bantam and then upper uh, house. Which before was midget, ADM. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. So, yeah, so this was way back then. Like, I want to say like maybe 92, 93, yeah, right. sometime. We're not like, even that old and it makes you feel old. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
but yeah, so I started there and then through high school, I was at uh, Langley, played there for okay. three years, the very first three years. They got some slick looking jerseys, side note nowadays. Oh, thank green you. and yellow hitters. I yeah. Designed those. Did you? Those things yep. are fresh. Yeah, I like those. Yeah. I took over uh, coaching with them long after I was done playing, but okay. I did seven seasons with them along the way. That was one of my projects. Let's get some nice. better looking unis. Yeah. <laughs> That's usually like the first thing that I, that I think of every time I coach somewhere. I'm like, all right, first order of Virginia, we're going to get some fresh looking jerseys and we're going to go from there. I'm going to need some money, athletic director. Pass it on over. <laughs> right, and especially as a coach, you get so much swag that comes with oh, you. Yeah. Between oh, yeah. Between warm-up suits, all that yeah, stuff, apparel. Like, I always want to yeah, make sure that the stuff that I'm going to be getting is top-notch and looking good. Right. Yeah, I'm kind of like you there. I mean, I grew up in um, Calvert County. And I mean, still to this day, we still don't have a damn rink near us. So our closest option was always Bowie, which was 45, 50 minutes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it, it still is, but it's still the only option if you're coming from down there. But um, so, yeah, it brings you both to Loudoun, Virginia, running that program out of Ion. I mean, we kind of talked about it beforehand. That rink is unreal. I mean, kind of talk about that facility, what it offers. I mean, kind of what makes it different from the rest of the rinks here in the DMV. It's uh, let's just start at the the main attraction here. <laughs> yeah, right. We have a, a thirty five hundred seat arena, mm -hmm. uh, and we have a multi purpose floor like Verizon Center or um, Eagle Bank Arena at George Mason, where we can hold other events like concerts, graduations, etc. So we can put multi purpose flooring down over top of the ice and put two thousand seats down more to have concerts, graduations, yeah. etc. Um, and then aside from that, we have uh, another sheet of ice. Uh, you know. We kind of label it as our, our practice sheet, uh, but it's very suitable uh, ice rink in mm -hmm. itself. Uh, an Olympic-style gym, and in the near future, we should be putting about two more sheets of ice and not about two more sheets of ice on. Yep. So you have a four-sheet well, facility? Yeah, yeah. Eventually, we'll have four sheets. I mean, and so currently, we have um, – <clears throat> and with the little caps, right, comes a couple of the resources that, that, uh, that they have as well. So, like, we'll have – you know, we have a – the building has its own specialty training area. Mm -hmm. So in that, we're going to have like a shooting area. Uh, we're going to have a sense arena will be in there. They're going to come and set that up at some point here in the near future. So we'll have, you know, sort of virtual training. We've got full gym, you know, the cafe, right? So full bar. Um, I think we're working on full liquor license. So you, right now you can oh, have, oh, yeah, there you go. Right, you can have beer and wine now. Um, they do catering. Well, that's still more than – Pretty much every rink here, around here. Yeah. Yeah, so we, you know, and then we have uh, on the, on the, what is that, the north side of the building? Yeah. No, south side of the building. Okay. Uh, south side of the building, there's uh, there's a big study room. You know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, this season, right? Uh, I mean, my kids are in Loudoun County School. They're probably only going to go to school two days a week in school, right? And then yeah. Three yeah. So depending on what their curriculum looks like, what their tempo is during the day you know we could probably host some kids here where i think we're actually working on some programs right now to to try and get uh players to be able to train during the day <clears throat> yeah i guess yeah kind of building off that we might as well i mean that's kind of helpful like if kids aren't in school for three days of the week that's more ice time for them that they can come in obviously they got to get their shit done and do their addition and subtraction but <laughs> I mean, what, what kind of what kind of like preparations you guys getting ready for next season if that is the case and kind of what uh, precautions have you taken the past I guess month or so since we're allowed to start opening up rinks and whatnot yeah so in the rink right we um you know phase three it's pretty standard like all the you know stuff that the the governor and the states come out with in Virginia and everybody's got to wear a mask in the building we've got mm -hmm. um, they look like these fogger 
things. I don't know how, what, what you call them, but there's, it's like a little fogger. Right? You just spray it around. It's, it's all the sanitization stuff. Yeah. So, um, you know, they'll, they spray that, you know, throughout the arena. Cause we have some camps going on during the day. So, you know, they'll, they'll spray around like kids will come off the ice. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll get their stuff off. They'll spray it. You know, so there's always guys walking around during the day, cleaning pretty much any surface you touch. Um, and a lot of the doors, right? Like you can open them with an elbow or you can open them, just kind of brush into them, right? And they pop open. So it's, you don't have to get hands on with, you know, with a lot of stuff inside the building. Just everything's so open. Um, You're lucky Chris filled this question. I was going to tell you, we delouse everybody as they come yeah. in. Like, yeah, like yeah. Josh, thank you, Josh. Thank you, Josh. spray them down with a hose. <laughs> You making them get are they getting dressed in the parking lot and coming in? Or are you letting them get dressed in? Uh, yeah, so all the players are yeah the players are dressed in the parking lots. Um, like just great little, on a nice day like this. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying because I've been degrees out right. These kids yeah. are sweating their bags off. You know where I I just explained where I live so you know how close I am to uh, MCI here MedStar and it's just like I go over <laughs> yeah. there and I'm sitting in the back of my Jeep just like dressed to the nines just soaking my nuts off and so i'm like all right good thing i brought like a cooler beers to sit in my jeep and <laughs> drink on them but it's like oh, shit. <laughs> taking temperature and everything before you come in there yeah 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 yeah, temperatures, yeah. everybody i mean all you know anyone right the coaches uh, like if you go out for lunch and you come back they take your temperature yeah right so like i was in my yeah. truck the other day right it was really hot i was on a phone call I come back in and they took my temperatures like over hundred. I'm like, well, I was just sitting in my truck. Yeah. Right. Well, that's exactly what I was going right? to say. So, like, that'll do it, right? so I'm like, yeah. okay, take it in like a minute. And a minute later, it was like, you know, 98. It's like, what do you expect? It's one or two outside and I'm fully dressed in my hockey gear coming from the parking lot. You think I'm, my body heat's not going to be up there. Yeah. It's going to go up for sure. The one thing I think of uh, last thing here on that facility, I mean, cause I coached in the prep league here, the MAPHL for the last four years, like that place is needs to be hosting the tournaments as, as great as Laurel is. And as long as it's been around 3,500 people wrapped around is way more, way better than a wall of 1200 people. Right. Yeah. We're hoping, um, we're hoping that we get to have like, you know, the NVSHL we're hoping that, yeah. that they'll do, uh, that they'll, they'll at least do a championship game here. I'm sure we'll have high school games here like we did last year, mm-hmm. um, in the building, you know, with school being out, it'll be interesting to see what, what that looks like. Um, yeah. what the league looks like, you know, I think, there's not a lot of leagues that are that are scheduling anything just yet, mm-hmm. so that's still up in the air. But we're uh, we're hopeful. Sure. So let's talk about the hockey academy itself for a minute. I mean, what all is offered there to a player that comes to your program? Kind of skills, development strategies. What are y'all? What are all you guys working on? We really offer programs for kids from really cradle to college, is what we like to call it, um, and then even pro. Uh, where we'll take, you know, the mini mite player that's just getting on the ice for his first time and we'll work with basic stride, uh, basic construction, stuff like that. Um, then all the way run through the gamut to we have a group of pros, D1 players that we work with on Monday, Wednesday, Friday mornings. So really we can kind of scope that whole gap and then we have programs along the way that can supplement uh whether it's morning lessons uh our camps that we run from nine to four right now during the summer mm-hmm. uh we have other clinics uh skills camps and all that stuff going on so we really offer anything and everything for you know today's hockey player yeah and a lot of our fall programming um you know summers are packed right everybody's doing yeah camps, everybody's coming for for ice time in the mornings, right? Lessons and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, come fall time, right. We've got, uh, you know, we've got learn to skate, we've got learn to play hockey, we've got house hockey. So anything you can think of, there's my notification I was talking about earlier. <laughs> so the, um, so kind of something that, I mean, nowadays it's, it's kind of 50, 50, which I'm, so I'm curious about how you guys approach this. Um, so a lot of guys are like, Oh, my, 12 year old son, Jimmy needs to be on the fucking ice 12 hours a day and doing this, that, and the other every six, seven days a week. But, but a lot of people are on the play multiple sports, do this, do that. We'll split it up, do some videos, some off ice. So how do you guys kind of approach that and balance a kid's schedule? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, there's a lot that goes into that, right? And some of it is on the parents and the, and the kid, yeah. right? Like there's some parents that want their kids playing like three sports at a freaking time, which is just crazy. Um, I think the way that, that sports are nowadays, you kind of have to pick one per season. So if you're mm-hmm. like a really high level soccer player, you're, I mean, you could play hockey or you could play basketball or whatever those, those sports always are going to overlap. So mm-hmm. I think once you get to like the highest level of where you can go for that sport at your age, then you're probably, um, you're probably just doing wreck everything else. Um, and a lot of kids, like, you know, if a parent says, well, I want my kid on the ice, like four hours a day. It just doesn't even make sense. I mean, yeah. pros aren't even on the ice that, that long. Right. But, I mean, but your 12, a lot of, 12 year old is yeah. 12 year old Jimmy who's playing PWB hockey, who you think is going to the NHL is yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> the percentages are crazy uh, for that not to happen. Um, yeah, I would say that, you know, like minimum effectiveness, right? Like the minimum amount of time to make the most effective um, player, right. Or do get the most effect out of it. So, you know, if, you know, if somebody says, well, okay, I want like two and a half hours on the ice a day. Well, okay. Can we do that in like an hour and get you, get you the same thing? Right. Uh, and a lot of time, you know, it's just tailoring. If it's specific to one person, right. I mean, if it's one-on-one or if it's a small group and everybody's kind of the same skill set, then it's easy to do that. Um, and, you know, and even from a team perspective, right. Like you're going to have varying degrees of skill and hockey mm-hmm. sense and whatnot on a team, but, you just got to, it's all about how you communicate to the players and, um, and just making it as effective as you can. Like, you know, I, I see it as like bullet points. Um, you know, when I am looking like through an email, do you want to read an email that's like three pages long or you want the bullet points? Here's what you need to know. Right. So I think for yeah. kids, right. That works really well for kids. Cause you don't have the attention span to go through that whole list, right? Like yeah. some long list, you don't want to see. But it's also happen. like, I mean, do you play golf at all, Matt? Oh yeah, oh yeah. So like, you know, like the basics, like, you know, if you're, if somebody's telling you, you know, fix X, Y, and Z on your swing, A, B, and C go right out the window because you're so focused on the X, Y, yeah, and Z. Yeah, exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. So you can overflow kids' heads with information and you're pushing other fundamentals out the window that they also need to be working on at the same time. If you kind of get lost in that dialogue with them trying to explain too much. Uh, but from the athletic standpoint, you know, uh, I think we both fully encourage kids to go play other sports, especially at the younger ages. Yeah. And USA Hockey's done studies, and that's kind of how they developed the, the ADM, was through research and development about how kids develop athleticism. And at certain ages, and this might be off, but like, let's say ages like six to eight, you're going to develop your hand-eye skills. So at those, those ages, you're going to want to work on hands a little bit more on that kind of stuff. So, yeah. and then if you have a kid playing baseball, that just naturally helps it, right? Mm-hmm. That so hand-eye coordination in baseball is exactly. so unparalleled. Exactly. So sports can kind of supplement those athletic traits that you're building into your hockey as well. Yeah, sure. it's a, I think it's a range of motion thing. You know, like there's so many kids that you can tell, especially at like a higher level, 
like when we do off ice, so I have a, um, you know, we've got a group here that, um, that does like two days a week and it's, you know, nine to two and they're on the ice for eh, like two hours total during the day. But we do mm-hmm. like a pretty hardcore off ice workout. And a lot of it's like sprinter work, like running jumps. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like being a track runner, right? So many of these kids have no idea how to run properly. Like they're <laughs> they look like hockey players, right? Like as crazy as it sounds like there's running. ways to do it. Yeah. Yes. But so they've never been like a lot of them don't have that range of motion. Right. So like even just finding that it just, it, it translates on the ice to just an overall better athlete, right? Like a better athlete's going to be a better hockey player. Right. And sure. there's a, there's a direct uh, relation between the muscles that you use to jump and the muscles that you use to skate. So long story short, the higher that you can jump, essentially the faster that you can skate. So, you know, it's oh, kind of, yeah. it's kind of funny to, like Chris was saying though, to put these kids through these off ice workouts and you incorporate a lot of these jumping exercises and you see these kids that are decent skaters and it's like, wow, you know, so, just if you just had the athleticism, yeah, being on the ice. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So kind of transitioning from the Academy now to the travel program, the Loudon Knights, I mean, I guess RIP in peace to the enforcers. I mean, that lasted, what, one year? One year, right? Yeah, right. So why the change? Why the change from the enforcers to the Knights? So it was for uh, multiple reasons. I mean, full disclosure, I didn't love the design of the name of the enforcers, yeah. but. Yeah, well, it helps when you spell it right, too. So. <laughs> well, yeah, true. <laughs> that was, we got in yeah. stars. Yeah, right. Yeah, we sort of, we, we didn't really have much of a hand in that one uh, at all. Yeah, uh, but tied. you know the nights, right? Just I think the you know if you think of a night, you think of you know dedication, commitment, chivalry, honor, yeah. you know honor, those kinds of things, right? So that's where we want our players. I mean, not just on the ice, but also off the ice. I mean, part of our core beliefs, right, is is that we're not just making hockey players; we're making you know young men and and women, right, that mm-hmm. come into our club, um, you know, better for society all around. So, and it doesn't just stop on the ice, right? I mean, there's a lot of, and it's not just hockey, it's any team sport, I think. Any team sports setting, right, can teach you a lot yeah. of things in your life and put you in situations that are maybe uncomfortable. You have to have a mm-hmm. talk with your coach about something you did or whatever. You get in a fight with one of your teammates and like you got to figure out how to move on past it, right? I mean, there's, there's so many, right? That's, it's not going to be the only time you disagree with right, somebody right. in life, yeah. unfortunately. So, um, you know, I think, the biggest reason really was, was that, you know, being an enforcer, well, it's, it's great. Everybody loves to, you know, it's, it sounds tough. It's not, yeah. uh, it's not really the, what we want to portray as what we're looking for, right. for athletes. <clears throat> so was the thought process of making DMV kids who are Capitals fans wear Vegas looking jerseys considered? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a good question. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, I love them. They look great, but that's the first thing I thought of was when I saw the designs of them. Right. Yeah, well, we, we like to say new Orleans saints. That way we're not, you know, showing any allegiance to Vegas. I don't think, you know, I don't have any Chris. I know you're no. more of a Red Wings fan than yeah, anything I'm, else. I'm I'm well, you, you guys don't have the glitter, so it's a little tougher. Yeah. Right. <laughs> You could always uh, bedazzle them a little bit. Yeah, some you, could. There. you could, you could. Have them all yeah, change. You know the color, I mean, nobody else has that color scheme around here that I'm aware of, really. Besides Washington. That's the biggest thing, too. Is, though, right? okay, yeah. well, that's the biggest thing, too, is trying to pick something that sticks out from all the clubs that have been around the area for a while and are established. And they all, they all got cool – some of them got cool designs, some of them don't. I'm not going to say who, but <laughs> – I mean, I grew up – so I grew up, I grew up playing for Bowie, so – 
my favorite was always we we used to have the straight up Boston Bruins jerseys, and I yep. always enjoyed those until they switched to the actual like kind of a buoy logo. But it is what it is. <laughs> so we'll get into the we'll just get into the podcast. I mean, third line grind. Love the episodes. Listen to a couple. Logan Paulson one was awesome. So for those that may yeah, not have great. heard of it, he's an awesome guy. Yeah, that was awesome. So kind of give a little background on the show, what the what the listeners can expect if they want to tune in and check it out, and kind of the basis of it. Yeah. So it really, like I was saying earlier, it all came about during the the break for the pandemic, where. Uh, really, everybody it was trying to find ways to stay visible, whether it was hockey at home videos, stuff like that, just ways to keep kids engaged, keep them active, etc. So like we were saying, we do the Zoom lesson, stuff like that, but just as another perk or something to do uh, that we could stay in front of our, you know, our, our kids that we train, the kids that come play for the night, etc., was to create a podcast because we do train a lot of you know very good hockey players that have interesting stories, and yeah. they all didn't reach you know the pinnacle of their hockey career the same way. So we thought, what a good idea to have some of these guys come talk about their road to either professional hockey, college hockey, junior hockey, et cetera, in Logan's case, uh, you know, into the NFL. Um, that's kind of our premise is how do these people reach the pinnacle of what they do? And what was their, you know, what kind of sacrifice did they have to make? What kind of commitments did they have to make at a young age and all of that stuff? Yeah, that's, yeah, I mean, especially because um, same with, uh, what's his name, Alex, the Penn State captain, that was a good yeah, one too. It's, yeah, it's kind of interesting yeah. to hear that. I mean, that's kind of the same thought process we had. It's like, all right, like the DMV is still kind of not known as a hockey hotbed. Granted, we've made yeah. tremendous slides in the last five to 10 years, but like you don't think of like the best hockey players coming out of D.C., Maryland, or Virginia. So it's interesting when we can get a kid on, like last week when we had Patty Giles, who's at BU now in the assistant yep. captain. It's like, yeah, I listened to that. What was, your, what was your story like? Like, because kids, if you're in the area and you're listening, you're like, oh, shit, I played for that club or I played against him in high school. And then, But to hear the overall story of the career path from how he got from right here where everybody that's listening is to where he is now, it's just kind of interesting. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, it, it's um, it's really neat to see all the different, you know, players, especially the players that we've had, like, I think it's almost a privilege, really like a privilege. Yeah. I mean, we've had, yeah. uh, you know, like Adam Comrie, who's a pro player in Europe mm -hmm. from around here. Garrett Rowe comes out every now and then. Joe Snively, Sam Annis. Mm -hmm. We've had some pretty good, some pretty good hockey players. Yeah. It's Tour Linden, who's at, um, where's he at? RPI. RPI yeah, another four. Uh, Shane guys. Sellers, yeah. who's going RPI next year. Jack Brackett. Um, Leibolds, yeah, just a lot of kids from this area, really, that uh, that have worked hard, that have been a part mm -hmm. of, you know, the the coaches from around here, right, for the most part, um, that haven't really had to move, you know, away. I mean, at some point, right, like we're we're trying to make it so you don't have to move to yeah the northeast, or you don't have to go out west or the midwest. Or, go to a prep school after yeah, one year at the math or something. Sixty and, grand on prep school, like yeah, right? that's the way it was when that's we crazy. were all kids, right? Yeah. If you wanted to advance that next yeah, level, yeah, when you got to you know your senior year in high school, you had to start looking to branch outside of the area yeah. uh, as to places where you could go and be seen. But right, right now, DC's turning into. Uh, I mean, like we were just talking about some of those players that we have on the ice. I mean, 10 yeah. years ago, 12 years ago, you've been hard pressed to find that many kids or that many players at that high of a level. The way, yeah, the way I've always looked at it, it's, it's kind of a timeline type effect. So you, you first got to develop all these guys from the starting point, And yeah, they may have to go out like 
uh, like some of the names we've been mentioning here, like yeah. Sam Annis and Patty Giles and all these guys. But the biggest thing is once they've gone through their career and done all this, they come back to kind of where it started and then can put that development back into this place. And it's now bringing big name guys here and that type of thing. And then it just the cycle continues and grows each time it goes through that. Oh, yeah. yeah, and it's tough to see that, right, in our area. Like, there's there's a couple different reasons. Like, you know, it's number one, you know, Minnesota, mm-hmm. Michigan, those places have 40,000 people that are registered in USA Hockey. We have, like, nine in Virginia at least, right? Yeah. So we're working with a lot fewer players. You know, they've got a lot more, and, and it's really expensive to live here. Yeah. So it's tough for, you know, if you're a pro hockey player and, you you know, you've – Maybe you haven't been in the NHL and made millions. You know, it's not like not every pro hockey player is that, you know, gets all that money, right? Mm-hmm. So it's tough sometimes for those guys to come back and really find a career where you can actually, like, support yourself around here for as expensive right. as it is. Yeah. Especially in Loudoun County. <laughs> yeah, anywhere in northern <laughs> Virginia Arlington, here. Right? Anywhere yeah, it's just – <laughs> Yeah, you're done for. So last thing here – before you guys got to go, because I know you got tryouts tonight. So I know you mentioned Chris was a Red Wings fan. So who are both of your favorite NHL teams, and what are your thoughts on the uh, playoffs coming up here? Uh, Chris's team isn't in it. So yeah, my team is going to this one first. Yeah, you're, you're, you got shafted anyway. Enjoy that fourth fourth overall pick oh with 17 God. wins. But... How is that even? The NHL's got to change that, man. We were just talking about that, that yesterday. Cool. He might as well just go the NFL right? style and just the worst record drafts first. That's that what should be. Yeah. But you know how it's going to be. Penguins are going to lay an egg in the first round again. Oh, and then uh, – And they'll get the first – and they'll get the first exactly. overall pick, though. Exactly. I think so, that's what they're aiming for. <laughs> but I've been, a, I've been a diehard Caps fan since, you know, like I was saying, from a young age when I was yeah. going to get by that hockey bug. And we go out to uh, Landover to uh, Cap Center. I'm mm-hmm. sure you remember that, right? Mm-hmm. So, I yeah, used to go to games – um so i was born in 92 i used to go to the icebreaker games that's how i kind of got into it i used to go to the icebreakers games down in um show place arena and yep in upper marble or whatever yeah nice yeah i remember uh back when the caps would do that uh i think they still do it the shootout at intermission they would make it like this whole big competition where you'd have to spend a day go to like the cap center in landover and then be a big like tournament amongst all the other like cdh yeah they still do it yeah like the top uh handful of like guys that would advance would yeah. go do like the you know semi-final shootout and that'd be at show at the, at yeah, the ice actual, yeah. Yeah. yeah so that'd be the semi-final so i gotta go do that i won and then i gotta go do the shootout of the caps game that's pretty awesome. awesome yeah yeah two of the kids that i coached a couple years ago they got to go i think it was not when the all-star games in nashville yeah they won the the player and the goalie Oh shit! Oh, yeah, yeah. So they both got to go to the. Uh, oh, that's super cool. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. The All Star game. But as far oh, as the return to play that. goes, I mean, oh, I uh, you know, earlier today, if you asked me this, I probably would have thought, uh, you know, I've been a little bit more optimistic of it. I don't think I've even told Chris this yet, but I just got an email that Chowder Cup in Boston's canceled. A lot of these tournaments mm-hmm. are starting to cancel that we're planning to go on, and just citing the, the new rise in COVID numbers, and with the NHL saying that I think it was something like nine more guys tested positive since last yeah. week mm-hmm. um, today that you know with the numbers going up in all these areas you know so drastically and you know the NHL teams not being able to keep it out of their facilities uh, I don't know I don't know what to think anymore I'm you know we're gonna try to stay optimistic because I desperately want to watch hockey I think the caps after this break it's kind of just what they need I think they'll come yep. back firing on all cylinders looking mm-hmm. great but you know let's just get there first and then worry about it what do you think yeah, you know, it's going to be really interesting. I mean, you hope that, you know, there, you know, there's reportedly a lot of cases 
right? That are well, half of those are the blues, and it's because the entire team went to a bar to get up. <laughs> yeah, right, and right. Back yeah. With it, so. But, I mean, even just cases in general, I think, <laughs> yeah. you know, you hope that the, the severity isn't, isn't like what it, you know, what it was, I guess, at first or what, right. what was really reported at first. Um, this is something that's, that's not really going to go away, I don't think. So, at some point, I think they just find a way to – to play around it. I think right? you're just but, exposing all everybody to it now. I just mean, just exposing to it now. <laughs> the, the, the herd immunity <laughs> mindset. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's just, my conspiracy theory that I absolutely do not believe. <laughs> That's my hot take. Until proven, today. though. So until, until science proves it wrong, you're, you're good. All right. Yeah, you yeah you're know. good. That's the way you got to yeah, look at it's, it. It's a touchy situation, you know? So yeah. it, it affects people differently, right? I mean, it's like, uh, you know, it's almost like cancer, right? Like some people, it's you know, it's a big deal, but it's not, um, it's not like, you know, it doesn't affect you that much or, you know, you kind of do what you have to do to, to get through it, get over it and it's done. And then some people it really affects, you know, pretty, pretty hard. So, yeah. you know, you just hope for the best. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So we really appreciate you guys, appreciate you guys coming on. Why don't you tell us real quick before we hop off where everybody can follow you, social media, that type of stuff, where they can find the podcast, just any of that. Yeah, we're on Instagram at, at Loudon Hockey Academy, at Loudon underscore hockey underscore academy. And then our Loudon Knights account is at Loudon Knights. Uh, and on Facebook, you can find us under Loudon Hockey Academy and Loudon Knights as well. Yeah, I and mean, then our podcast is on, uh, I think it's oh, on pretty much all the major. Forgot to promote yeah. that. <laughs> all the stuff. Twitter and I think yeah. Google. And iTunes, Apple. Spotify. Yeah, Spotify, Apple. I think most people get it on Spotify and Apple. Love it. Well, appreciate the time, guys. Appreciate you coming on. Like I said, I got tryouts to get to, but uh, love it. Yeah, we'll have you on again soon, and thanks for popping in. We want to flip the script, have you guys on as well. Yeah, right. Let us know whenever. We'll let us know whenever. You guys on ours, right? We'll We'll go back and forth. Yeah, (laughs) We'll we'll come back to full for a little bit. But, yeah, like I said, appreciate you guys coming on, and uh, best luck with everything as the season gets started and whatnot. Great. Thank you so much for having us. Have a good one, guys. Thanks again to Grady and Chris from Third Line Grind, the guys over there at the Loudon Hockey Academy. Awesome time talking to them. Great dudes. Can't wait to go on their show. Um, so let's get into a couple more things here before we end it up. So the, the collective bargaining agreement, it looks like they're coming to a six-year extension. Not going to go into a shit ton of details about it. You got Google. You can go read it for yourself. But we'll bring it up because one of the main points uh, is that the NHL can be back into the Olympics now starting the next winter Olympics. So with that being said, and with the 4th of July just happening, let's go into some of our top USA hockey moments uh, of all time. I'll kick it off here. It's not an Olympic moment, but I'm going with our hometown guy, Johnny Carlson, winning the gold for the team US junior team. OT winner. That's why I said not even an Olympic (laughs) moment, but I'm going with our guy, Johnny Carlson, the fucking cap and it's chirping DMV. Love it. Love it. Uh, I mean, I think an obvious one is obviously – Miracle on ice. Well, say. JP, JP, you got anything? I mean, I've got one. Actually, I've got like kind of two-ish. Well, let's let's put this out on the table first because we're usually pretty fucking bad in the Olympics slash World Championships slash whatever that is. I'm, yeah, I would say so. I mean, I guess recently I love watching the team just for Phil Kessel. Huge Phil Kessel fan, so I get to actually root for him. Yeah, Feel the thrill. He kind of he holds the team down. But honestly, if we're going to talk about it, I mean, I, I love the team. I'm, I'm most, my 
I guess my best moment is going to be the future. Cause I think the best team we're going to have is the next Olympics. I would tend to agree, but team Canada is just fucking loaded. Like it's unreal with it. When, when you go through the roster, I mean, our, I think you're right that we, this is going to be the most talented that we've ever team been we've had in a while. Yeah. Um, I mean, let's kind of go over that. I mean, what's a projected lineup? I mean, Matty Tuchuk, Austin Matthews, Patty Kane, Johnny Goudreau, Eichel, Brock Besser. Give me like two seconds to look this up because I actually am very interested. Kai, Kyle Connor, Dylan Larkin, DeBrinkett, Pacioretty, TJ Miller, Gensel, TJ Oshie, Chris okay. Kreider, Brady Tuchuk. I don't think anyone's on the team. Uh, Zach Rowinski, Seth Jones, Slavin, Carlson, Quinn Hughes, Charlie McAvoy, Tori Krug, Jacob Truba. Hellebuck and goal, John Gibson, Ben Bishop. I mean, we don't have a bad – that's not a bad team. Our defense is nice as fuck. Um, Zach Wierenski, Seth Jones, John Carlson, Charlie McAvoy. I mean, Quinn Hughes had a great season. Jacob Slave and Tory Krug on defense. And that's like – I mean, I didn't even mention Ryan Suter. Um, those are all just fucking young ass defense. Yeah, a lot of young. Well, you kind of got to go back to what I said about us never really doing that well in like the Olympics or um, even World Championships for that matter. So, oh, well, you remember when they had the World Cup just a couple years ago? How how fucking bad the U.S. team got dummied, whereas that under twenty two <laughs> team North America team that was half Canadian, half American. Granted, there was like Connor McDavid and shit like that on that team, but a lot of that was young American talent, and they did really fucking well. Johnny Goudreau. Yep. Um, Brock Besser. I, I mean, you mentioned a lot of it. Matt Kachuk might be on it. Bra- Matt and Brady. Both, both the Chucks, yeah. Jack Hughes, Clayton Keller. Yeah. Suter. Uh, I mean, it's they're it, it's gonna be they're gonna be a fun ass team to watch, especially that first line. It's just gonna be fucking mm-hmm. awesome. Matthews, Goudreau, and Patrick Kane probably. Um, I think like the top two lines are for sure, but those. That third and fourth line, I think it could be a mix of a bunch of guys there, like in a bubble. Well, I'm what I'm looking at right now. This is from the HockeyWriters.com. Is that that was the first line, and the second line is Jake Gensel, Jack Eichel, Brock Besser, which I'm not completely don't, not in love with it. Not yeah, in love with it. I think we could do a little better. They don't have Oshi on here. Do you think Oshi? Not Oshi at all. Why wouldn't he make it? I mean, granted, 2022s. Two years away, but it's TJ Oshie. Yeah, Speaking we have a of lot of young guys now, man. Great Olympic moments. Is that the, the greatest one ever? Him winning that shootout in Russia? Biased because of poor cap saying, but that was obviously uh, well, the uh, greatest one in the last 10 years. Yes. I was, well, I was going to say my. Or longer. Probably my greatest moment um, was the, I think it was the Zach Parisi goal to tie it up to force it in overtime. Even though we lost that game, still, but like, was that the Crosby Golden Goal game? Yes. weren't we down two nothing until like late in the third period? We scored two we goals towards the, in the last like five minutes. We scored with a minute left. Yeah. Yeah. But we scored the two goals to tie it. Did we lose three two to two to one? I think we lost two to one. Maybe it was three to two. Three two. Was it because we scored two goals? I thought in the last like five or six minutes, and like AB mentioned, Parise scores that goal with fucking a minute, two a minute and two seconds left in that game, and. Crosby fucks us, but yeah, I would say that was my greatest moment, dude. When I like, I lost it then, and I almost was like cheering harder for that team than I was for like a Cavs team at that point. Yeah, like, got- no doubt, because we had beat Canada in the uh, the qualifying round yes, or the round robin, whatever it is. I was gonna say that was, yeah, they were was much a better team. Run, 
I was going to well, they're say, always such a better team. Well, yeah. That, that, that first round robin win against Canada was probably like, was one of our best moments. But then that mm-hmm. I, I just, I just remember the way like I was feeling and I was like, Holy fuck. We might actually win the gold medal this year. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah, played, they played them true. strong that game. It was a good game. Yeah. I mean, we obviously got to mention the women. They just won the last, uh, the, the last Olympic gold medal, Hillary Knight. Uh, They've had such a strong team, team. such a good team. It's a nasty shootout winner. That's right. That was one in a shootout, wasn't it? Yeah. Holy fuck. Imagine winning the gold medal in a shootout. Imagine if we go to a shootout in the Olympics and TJ Oshie goes seven times and wins it for us. I don't think there was. Back then, it didn't go to a shootout. I don't think. I think it would have been just a continuous OT for men's. I'm not 100% sure. 100%. Yeah, it would have go a shootout once it gets into the just uh, preliminary rounds. They go to a shootout. So, I mean, that's what I got. I can't think of any more because, like I said, in that World Cup, Team USA just got fucking dummied, man. Yeah. Um, 2014 was kind of, I mean, other than that. Then sh- we lose the bronze medal game to Finland. Yeah, we got shit on. Yeah, we got shit kicked like six to one or something oh, in that game, maybe. Game too, right? Did we lose to Canada? No, we lost to Canada like three nothing. Never mind. Yeah, I don't know. We just were not a good team. But uh, 2002 Olympic team, they were pretty good. Salt Lake City. Yeah, they got they got silver that year. Um, we were kind of too young to kind of remember. Um, but I I do remember watching the game. I think we lost five to two in the gold medal game. Of course, to a team stacked with Mario Lemieux and we had some we had some good guys then. Yeah, well, probably Mike Madano, Brett Hall, Darian Hatcher, Brian Leach. Totally off topic, but not really. So speaking of Canada, I watched last night uh the Connor McDavid documentary, whatever it takes. Is that cool? It's awesome. Ooh, how'd you watch it? Oh, I just found it on YouTube. People. I just, just found it like on, on YouTube. YouTube. Yeah. So how long? They, so I've been on Reddit for a, it's like forty eight minutes because there's no commercial. It was an hour long thing. Like when Let's it get off this so I can watch it. But um, yeah, it's Connor McDavid. I'll send you the link after this because they keep taking it down. Like I've been on Reddit for a while trying to watch it and they keep taking it down. But um, awesome as shit. So yeah, would love. Let's to, get love to, to this real it. quick. Last thanks with Kyle. Go watch the documentary. We'll review it next week. We'll, we'll review it next week. He's the sickest hockey player ever. That's all I got to say about it. The last four minutes of the 48-minute long documentary are just highlights of him scoring goals. This season. They start rolling the credits with like four minutes left, and over the credits, it's just nothing but highlights. Yeah. They're literally – all of his goals are the same. Like he, like, he just burns like everyone, and then he's in tight on the goalie and does like a little curl and drag like top rip. Well, he or he does verbatim, the same thing and passes to Leon Dreisaitl. He verbatim in that documentary says, the Oilers pay me to beat guys wide and crash the net and score goals. Yep. That's his game. Beats a guy wide, makes a move, gets to the net, scores a goal. So let's end it with this because we're going on a bit. In honor of 4th of July again, let's quickly power rank yard games. So let's go 1-4. to four. We won't snake draft. We'll just come to a, a hopeful consensus agreement on the top four yard games. So... Let's start with number one. We'll go. Or should we go four to one or one to four? Four to one. Four to one. So what's number four? I think it's. It's probably easier than one to four, man. I, I think it is too. So let's start with number one. Is does it have to be cornhole? I'm gonna back you up there because I was thinking about I think it this. Has like, to be. is this backyard games of all time? Because how do you not have wiffle ball as oh. number one of all time? Uh, Even or when you're volleyball. Older, AB's old Huntingtown house with the volleyball net in the front yard for parties. Wiffle ball is like, yeah, w- wiffle ball is an American classic. The, the original. 
Yeah, but, I mean, if you showed up to it. if you showed up to the Bay House in Ken Island, and Scott says you can have one game and one game only, what game are we picking? I mean, uh, that's different. Yeah, that is a lot different, and all of us. But it are- helps you think about it. Um, maybe, maybe it makes it tougher. I don't know. Friday, we actually did play wiffle ball. Oh, bastards! We played a lot of sauce kit. Well, me and AB played a lot of sauce kit because nobody else knows how to shoot a hockey puck. But, um, uh, for me, it's for me, it's spike ball. If we're doing a draft, like, I love spike ball, dude. Spike we, ball. I'm going spike ball number one. That's my number one. Spike ball is hard. It's like it's hard as fuck for a lot of people. So, like, they don't like it. And me and AB were beating the wheels off people this weekend. Yeah, Holden Holden was really fucking good too. He he said he went like nine and one or something. I don't know if I believe, but because he lost us multiple times. But um, I think cornhole is going to have to be number two. Is number two on the board around. So we're going spike ball one, cornhole two. Well, spike ball is clear. Spike ball is not going to be voted number one by everyone else in the United States. I'm, I'm not sticking, going to I'm be. sticking with wiffle ball as my number one. All right, you guys, you guys can have spike ball. I think I think I'm with Kyle on that though. I think All right, I'm with Kyle. I'll go with a ball with a ball too. Because not a lot needs to happen. You need a ball, you need a bat, and you, you need to have imaginary bases. You can make a imaginary ball. Bases. Yeah. It's, just an Amer- it's just a classic game. It's an American classic game. It's been and around. It's, and it's not as tiring as spike ball. Because when we were playing spike ball the other day, we had to take like an hour-long break between each game because we were thought we were going to collapse and die. Well, y'all did, but I was right. just fucking falling. I was like, let's go again. Let's go again. So, <laughs> wiffle ball, then cornhole, or wiffle ball, then spike ball? We can go then spike ball. Spike ball, so number three, cornhole. Well, I, I get or, or I all of America can jam can jam. I would say I think all of America is going to disagree with spike ball. I got to be quite honest. Good thing not all of America was. It's a newer podcast. game. It's a newer game. Not everybody's <laughs> into it. Yeah, um, I'm not sure how much of the American population is listening. Are we to voting us, but... on what? Yeah, what are we voting for here? We vote personal on... favorites. As much as we love the listeners, if you disagree with us, fuck you. But. If we're going on personal favorites, and yeah, spike ball number two all the way. Deal. Um, Wiffle ball one, spike ball two. Let's go to number three here. It's got to be cornhole. 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 Everybody plays cornhole. Quite. So number four, the last one. Let's let's make it contentious here. It's either it's either got to be volleyball or can jam for me. I think. Fuck me. Even though I am rock hard every time I come to the bay house and get to play sauce kit. Yeah. Because like uh, there's. When there's people around and you're just saucing pucks 20 feet in the air and kind of putting them on target, you're like, oh, my God, you play hockey? And every, every drunk guy's like comes up, he's like, yeah, man, like, tuh, just wish I would have played hockey, you know, but it's such a tough sport. Like, damn, if there's one sport I wish I could have played, it's hockey. If I could skate, I would have been, been really good. <laughs> like, sure buddy, you would have, buddy. If I could run, I would have been so yeah. good at lacrosse. <laughs> yeah. If I could – run i would be so good at football yeah right like it's just <laughs> sure if i could use my hands in soccer i would probably would have been pretty good at soccer dude <laughs> yeah if i could kick stuff real well i would have played soccer fucking all right number four i think for me is can jam i like i'm going can jam i love can jam i'm in i love can jam nice easy game you just can just stand there and throw a frisbee it could be, yeah. It's pretty easy. It could be kind of recency bias, though, because I did love playing volleyball in my front in the front yard at the Brunchroom. At the it Brunchroom. was fun. It was fun. The Brunchroom compound in Honeytown was a great volleyball arena. Oh yeah, it was so dope, dude. <laughs> it was the best. Yes, it was just big enough for the full volleyball court and everyone to watch on the fucking um the porch. The 
And the best part about it is, yeah, because everybody can watch on the porch or the driveway. And the best part about it is, like you said, it was just big enough for a volleyball court. But if it went out and went all the poison ivy, so if you spike that fucker, it went, got you a point, ended in the woods. The losers had to go down a point and walk through poison ivy to get it. Oh yeah, but then it became a huge thing, and I was like, oh fuck. And then then we weren't playing another point for like another ten minutes because it took us like a million years just to get <laughs> fucking ball back. Well, yeah. I feel you, but boys, I think we've gone on long enough. Loaded it up, like we said, as always. That's all I've got. Unless you guys get anything else, I'm done. I'm Eddie, and uh, we'll see you boys next week. Peace out, boys. Alrighty. Broken along, I feel the rain crashing down. All around this empty town, we're searching for the lost and found. But you don't care, you're unaware. Keep moving like the scars aren't even there It's in the air like a blazing flare Charting the stratosphere yeah, yeah. I prayed for you